0: Just so special and unique, and uh, I was—I kind of was thinking about it. And obviously, we take this time and uh, we honor our graduates um, for the accomplishment that they have, and that is—that is a significant thing. I mean, guys, do you guys realize this? That uh, in your life up until now, education has been mandatory, uh, but now you get to choose whether or not you pursue education, and we really hope that you do. Uh, but there's something else about it, just as us as a community celebrating uh, Senior Sundays, because on most Sundays. The person who gets up here is, uh, is a prophet who gives a blessing to the entire congregation. Uh, but there aren't many moments that I can think of in our church, uh, maybe a couple other times, but nothing on a regular basis like we do yearly, where instead it's all of us collectively are blessing the few. And, um, and that really makes for a special moment because it gives us time for reflection. It also gives us time to focus on these uh, young men who are certainly deserving of our blessing. Um, this year we have two seniors graduating, and uh, this is going to be a rough one for uh, for me personally. Um, both of these guys are really special guys, and so we're going to start with George uh, Johnson. So if I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and invite uh, George and his family to come join us on stage, and uh, as we do the blessing, I'm going to ask them to stay until uh, Eddie is finished as well. So, okay. So, uh, George, I will say this, uh, I know this is really outside your element, um, I once had a, an intern group, and, uh, I had about four of them, and after the first week we sat there and we could have ranked them which ones we thought were going to do the best, and at the bottom of that list was this really quiet, unassuming girl, and you know what, uh, for the rest of the summer, she, uh, disproved all of us, um, Sometimes quiet and unassuming, uh, there's a lot in there. And uh, for you, I think that d- over the years that I've got to a chance to get to know you, like that's definitely been true. So I'm going to go ahead and um, just kind of give everyone your biography here. Um, it, on our bulletins, if you want to follow along with me, and if you haven't already read this, uh, but George is the son of Anna Marie Gomez Cordoba and the grandson of Teresa Pemsorn. Uh, George will be graduating from Peak Preparatory and plans on going to Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches. And I've been told that he may be majoring in math or maybe engineering because it sounds better. So um, (laughs) let's go with engineering. But yeah, uh, but those are his interests, math and engineering. Uh, During his time at Peak, uh, George pursued several interests, including a variety of after-school jobs and martial arts. Uh, Over the years, George has volunteered here at Skillman. Uh, He served in our summer camps, our VBS, and our children's church, Uh, and so that is George in a nutshell, but like I said, there's so much more to this guy, and uh, we really appreciate uh, you being a part of our family here, and now um, his grandmother, Teresa, she's going to give a family blessing to
1: George. Oh, (laughs) you want to help me with this? Hold this for me. Thank you. I have notes this time. So to George. um, Confucius says, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. Either way, you're right because you've made up your mind. Aristotle said, uh, what you repeatedly do, that's who you are. Excellence is a habit. Be consistent in what you do. Stay true to your beliefs. This will be your gateway to the future. Embrace it and pursue it. Psalms 19 and 14 says, May my words, my, my thoughts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my shelter and my redeemer. I was paging through YouTube looking for something inspirational and I found this woman who was talking about self-affirmation and she said she talked to the mirror every morning and said to herself you are an unrepeatable miracle and indeed you and your brother are miracles we nearly lost your dad when he was a month old and just the fact that you're here at all is a miracle he had had a blockage between his esophagus and his stomach, and he wasn't able to process food. And it took many visits back to the doctor to convince him that there was something wrong, and I did a lot of screaming. (laughs) Um, I spent a lot of time crying and praying during the surgery that it took to save his life, and that brought me to Psalms 18 and 6. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. So you must hold on to your faith in God. He will carry you through through the roughest times of your life. And at those times when no one else can help, when everyone seems to disappear, he will still be standing right beside you. Just stay open to him. The Lord has already carried your pain. Just talk to him. Isaiah 41 and 13, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. I want you to stay humble. My dad, was your great-grandfather, was a church deacon. Before church, every Sunday, he would go pick up another family and bring them to church and then come back and gather us up and bring us to church and after church we wanted to stand around and visit while he scurried around and gathered up those other people and delivered them home I never realized it until four years later (laughs) the woman came and told us told me oh we have a car now so your dad won't have to pick us up after after Dad had brought us back, all back home. We would be helping Mother get Sunday dinner ready, and he would disappear again. And we didn't know that he had gone back to the church to sweep out the classrooms, to, to straighten the pews, to clean everything and, and scrub out the toilets so that we would be sparkling for the next meeting. It wasn't until he retired from that um, duty at church so that he could take care of my mom, that something appeared in the bulletin. Where's that man who used to clean the church? So Matthew 6 and 1, be, uh, be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. I found this thing from Simon Sinek. He was discussing Apple versus other computers, computer companies. And he says, Finite players play to beat the competition, but infinite players compete with themselves. And the, compet- the finite players are always frustrated but the infinite players, sometimes they're ahead, sometimes they're behind, but they're continually improving. The, important ef- the impact of your efforts in life are cumulative. You may not see daily results, but there will be results. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with enthusiasm As to the Lord and not for people, because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Serve, Lord Christ. May God guide you in all your decisions. Study to show yourself worthy. Be reliable to yourself. Keep your eyes on the prize, that future that you have planned. You can finish this if you will, but now it's time to begin.
0: Um, every year, uh, Julie Hargrave, she takes the Bibles that we uh, give the seniors, and um, she does her calligraphy with her favorite scripture verse, and it's really beautiful, and every year we just want to express our gratitude for her for uh, using her talent to bless these young men. Uh, George, as a church, we've gotten this special Bible for you. We would like for you to take it with you in your life. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take the time just to read that scripture verse that you've selected. Uh, George has selected Galatians 5:22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Okay, so Eddie and Jennifer, if y'all wouldn't mind joining us, and if y'all can just stay on stage, but kind of step aside. So we can, all right. So, Eddie here is... Um, He's special to us because uh, he's the first um, student that we've had from middle school all the way through high school since we've been here um, and so uh, you can figure out what the math that means for Jennifer and I <laughs> but uh, for Eddie mean? it, <laughs> it means we're getting old <laughs> so I'm going to read Eddie's uh, profile and then uh, and then we're going to share some memories about this very special young man. Um, Eddie Lewait is graduating from Hillcrest High School. His parents are Lois Akorkin and Joseph Lewait. Yeah, it's misspelled on there. That was my fault. Spell check. It's a terrible thing. Eddie has been a member of the Skullin family for over six years. Uh, During that time, he's participated in three years of Design for Change service camp, mission trips to Tulsa, Oklahoma, a leadership retreat to San Antonio, volunteering for Children's Church, and Summer VBS as well as being one of our core members of our Sunday night uh, community and a leader in our group. At Hillcrest, Eddie was the starting varsity quarterback, both his junior and senior years. In the fall, Eddie plans on attending the University of Houston and majoring in accounting. Um, and Eddie, earlier in the week, I asked if there was anybody you wanted to uh, have make a video uh, for you. and We had a little bit of a miscommunication, honestly, on this, because you said, well, I- I'd like for you to do it. And I said, well... It really wasn't up to you whether or not I was going to give you a blessing because that was going to happen one way or another um, but you uh, for the video you did choose uh, David and Debbie Williams and so they took some time th- this week and they made you a video and we're going to show that right now
2: about four years ago we invested a little time with a uh, nice kid named Eddie. you were a sweet little guy they called you. Little Eddie because you were the youngest and you had a couple of big football playing brothers. Well, you aren't Little Eddie anymore. We we're blessed to watch you become the man you are today. I can remember that conversation we had about football. It was your job as a quarterback to do more than throw the football. It was your job to make those around you better players. That meant encouraging each and every one of them. You were natural. You might be a pound on the back. And that famous Eddie smile but they all looked up to you as a leader you could do it you could see it in their eyes all the way up in the stands and here at Skillman you've been an encourager to our kids at church it's always been fun to see you patiently carry one of them around and for me and others a handshake and a smile what a blessing you know what an encouragement Debbie and I are so excited when one of the Skillmans come back for a visit because You are one of us. We can't wait to see you again.
3: We've watched you play a lot of football, Eddie. In fact, I think we saw a girl invite you to homecoming at a football game. Sometimes you make the pass, sometimes the, the receiver drops it, but you're the same, you're consistent, you're an encourager. We've seen you interact with the players, be a team captain, interact with the coaches. You are respected and you are respectful. And we just want to remind you of something that Timothy says in 1 Timothy 4. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in what you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Give your complete attention to these matters. We encourage you, Eddie, to use the God-given gifts that you have and to continue to be a good student a good friend, a good employee, and all the things you do. Most of all, Eddie, we encourage you to continue your walk with God, and we pray that he will continue his walk with you.
2: We love you, Eddie.
4: Yes, yeah, so as Matt said, we first, met, well, we first met Eddie. Were you 11 or 12? 11. Eleven years old, eleven or twelve, a preteen boy who ate too much junk food and smelled a little and now you are a seventeen, almost eighteen year old young man who still eats too much junk food and smells a little. But but, you, but you're a lot more than that. So I think I think the best way Um, I know a lot of you probably haven't gotten a chance to get to know Eddie um, as closely as Matt and I have, but I think the best way to get to know someone is through stories. I'm afraid of what they'll tell about me when I'm gone, but in any event. And Matt and I were also discussing that one of the greatest ways to show the character of a person, we think, um, is how that person treats children. And so in that respect, Eddie has really excelled. Eddie is wonderful with children. My children... Um, and others as well. And so I just wanted to share a couple stories with you that you can kind of get a get a feel of Eddie's character. Um, our children, Josiah, Caleb, and Mia, still think Eddie is part of our family, like legitimately part of our family. So they, uh, they consider him part of the family. They put him on the birthday party list, and uh, they just consider him one of their own. But when Caleb, for, for those of you who, who know Caleb, I wouldn't say he's the most affable child, but he's, he's, uh, he doesn't really take to, to folks um, immediately. But he has taken to Eddie pretty well. And uh, when Caleb was two for a period of time, he decided his name was Eddie. And so it was, uh, it was a little weird. He would introduce himself and say, I'm Eddie. And uh, <laughs> remember, we were at a little gym party, because at that age, you go to a lot of little gym parties, and there's circle time, and all the kids introduced themselves, came to my child, they said, what's your name? He said, Eddie. And uh, I was trying to impress my mom friends there, and so I had to explain, no, it's not actually Eddie, his name's actually Caleb. So that was a little bit of an awkward uh, thing for me, but stuck in, stuck in our mind that our two-year-old son decided his name was Eddie. <laughs> and so... Um, Aside from that, I know you work a lot of Sundays now, but on the Sundays that he's here, the kids flock to him. You can always see him in the back, roughhousing with my kids and other kids. And, you know, Matt and I just love to look at that and say, you know what, they love you. That says a lot about you. Uh, Besides that, as Debbie said on the video, you're a good student. You're a good friend you're a good employee, Um, but besides all that now, you're a good man, and we're really proud of you for that, and just a couple things that have just kind of stick in my mind that whenever I'm thinking about your character, I remember one time you were over at our house, I think there was a youth trip the next day, so you were staying the night, and you told Matt and I that it would be okay if we went out, so we thought, hmm, is this, is this appropriate for us to do? We, we decided it was, you know, after wrestling with our consciences for a little while. We came back, and I was so worried about how things had gone with the kids. Things were quiet. You said everything went fine. Kids went fine, and my house was clean. <laughs> you cleaned my house in addition to taking care of my kids. No one asked you to do that, and frankly, it's not that easy to get my husband to do that so (laughs) you absolutely made matt look bad so um another way you made matt look bad (laughs) was uh i remember one year uh matt said it was on my birthday matt said oh eddie called to wish you happy birthday and i said Eddie called to wish me happy birthday? How does Eddie know it's my birthday? Eddie doesn't do Facebook. I don't know if some some of the younger generation now, they don't do Facebook. Eddie doesn't do Facebook, so Eddie doesn't see my birthday from Facebook. Eddie remembered my birthday. (laughs) He remembered my birthday. It took me 10 years of marriage to get my husband to consistently remember my birthday. (laughs) He still thinks it's in March instead of May. He argues with me that they both start with MA, so that's okay. (laughs) So... Um, but, Eddie, you remembered my birthday, and you remember all of our birthdays, and I think that just shows that you've really become part of our family, and we're important to you, and you're important to us, and we, we love you, and we're proud of you.
0: Okay, I think that's enough for you. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> I had nice things to say about you, but after that, I'm, um, you know, I think uh, I agree with Jennifer uh, in this job. I think back to individuals, and, and I pick memories that I'm gonna remember. And for you, I think we'll remember uh, you being in the back here um, playing with the kids after church. Um, you know, but the other thing about this job that's so special is that, uh, you know, we get to hang on to those memories. But uh, teenagers, they grow up, and they become young men. And, uh, and then young men, uh, they get to be friends of ours. And um, we know that great things are ahead for you. And uh, we're going to be your friend. We're going to be your family Moving forward, just know that we're here, okay? we love you. Love you too. <clears throat> and Eddie's verse comes from Proverbs 16:3, "Commit your work to the Lord and your plans until it, and your plans will be established." And now I'd like to invite David Williams up here to uh, give a blessing, a prayer of blessing from the elders and the church family here as we move forward in our service.
2: So you've um, blessed us with your lives here at Skillman, and uh, it's, it's kind of a sad and happy time, right? You know, happy and sad time as you move forward. And uh, I'd like to take a moment to say our blessing to you, and um, but we're, as you're, Jesus sent his disciples out into the world, and they were sent out to, to live good lives and to make disciples of others and to share his word. And that's what the elders of schoolmen are asking you all to do, is to go out into this world, live good lives, make a difference in other people's lives, and to love others. But, you know, most of all, we're asking that you come back. Come back and see us. Would you pray with me, please? Most Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for these uh, two young men. Um, they are making good soldiers of Christ, and, uh, you know, there are... Living good lives. Uh, they share the word and they uh, they are um, trying, to, truly, Lord, to uh, be your disciples. God bless them as they go out into the world and keep them healthy and bring them back to us. Your Son is in your pray. Amen.
0: you all right. y'all can go ahead and take a seat. So, um, George and Eddie, I don't know how many hours y'all have sat and listened to me teach and lecture on various scriptures relating to... Oh, hold on, Jennifer, can you come give this to Eddie? I forgot to... Hand that to them. Oh, and also, while I'm thinking about it, uh, seniors, if you could take your Bibles and put them on your table, uh, immediately following the service, there will be a reception for the seniors. I encourage everyone to go, sign their Bibles, uh, give them some words of wisdom in there, and then also to um, just stop and give them a hug and tell them congratulations and and those sorts of things. There'll be cake and punch as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know how long you guys have listened, sat and listened to me in uh, class. It's been hours, but you've got at least 10 more minutes. Um, and the message that I'm going to give to you is not uh, anything new that I haven't already told you before. So I'm just going to warn you, but I do want you to remember this one, okay? Um, you know, in my life, there's lots of little different uh, skills or talents I wish that I had that I don't have. Um, I wish I could sing better, I, I can't, um, you know, and I wish that I was a better listener sometimes. Jennifer, once again, she didn't mention that up here, but, you know, that's true as well. I wish that I was a better listener. But one of the things I, a talent, a skill that I wish I had was the ability to say the right thing at the right time. Have you ever met that person who, like, uh, in their lives, they just, man, they just always seem to, like, be able to put the right thing out there when it really matters, my roommate and best friend in college was a lot like this. And, you know, the funny thing about this guy is that I wouldn't say that he's a particularly uh, savvy guy in general. Um, you know, we once convinced him that the word gullible had been removed from the dictionary, and he went to get the dictionary to prove us wrong. Um, but, man, he has the gift. He has the gift of just at the right moment knowing what to say. So I tell this story uh, one night. It was 1.30 uh, in the morning. And he and I were up doing what college students should be doing at 1.30 in the morning. We were studying and uh, we were studying and working on our homework. Now, if you believe that that was what we were doing at 1.30 in the morning, you've never been to college. So we were up late playing a video game. And this was in November, so it was cold outside. And uh, we had just gotten to the point where we turned the game off and we were going to go try to catch some sleep before class. And we get this knock on the door. And we go to the door, we open it up, and it's this lady. And she says, listen, I'm homeless, and I'm cold, and I'm trying to get to the Salvation Army. Can you give me a ride? Well, us being nice guys, we looked at each other and said, hey, okay, let's do it. So we put some flip-flops on, we're on T-shirts and shorts, and uh, we head out there. And as we're heading out to the car, she says, hey, can we stop by a friend's house before we get there? And I didn't say anything at the moment, but I thought, no, we can't do that. Um... But we get into the car, and we get about a half a block away when all of a sudden we see the flashing lights of a police car. And we pull over, and uh, the officer comes to my door, and he says, "Uh, would you mind stepping out? And I see that my roommate is also being asked to step out from the officer's partner. And they take us to two kind of separate locations, so we can't hear him. He says, "Uh, I pulled you over because you ran that stop sign back there. Well, okay, like I didn't... I'm not in the habit of running stop signs, but okay. And I said, okay. And he said, he said do you mind explaining what you're doing here? And I kind of explained the situation. I said, yeah, we, you know, um, we're about to go to bed. We're college students at ACU. And uh, this woman's looking for a ride to Salvation Army. and we, We're going to give her a ride. And so he sat there and he listened. And then he went back, talked with his partner for a second. And then they called both me and my roommate over. And they said, I said okay, guys, here's the situation. Uh, the woman that is in your car is a known prostitute. And, uh, but we believe your story. You guys don't really seem like the type, um, to be customers, right? (laughs) Now keep in mind, we're like in shorts you know, flip-flops and so we're sitting there and we're like, and they said, so and they told us, they said, listen, um, if she asks you to take her to another location, she's setting you up. And they said, it's our advice that you, um, ask her to get out of the car. We can't tell you that but if you want to give her a ride to Salvation Army, that's your business. So he said, thank you. And so we're walking back to the car, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, they do not teach you what to say in etiquette class in this situation. (laughs) And so we get into the car, and she immediately says, did those men say mean things about me and my roommate on the spot? He didn't say it maliciously. He just said, no, they just told us the truth and people like us we want to help people in need and when people like you take advantage of us it makes us harder to help the people who really need it I just thought wow what a perfect thing to say in that situation and she said so she said so are you going to take me to my friend's house and we said no we're not going to do that she said okay well let me out here and that was that was the end of it but I always remember that story 15 years later um, aside from the fact that I can, like, if I started the story, say, hey, let me tell you the time I got caught with a prostitute in the car. You would have, uh, you know, <laughs> that's one way of telling that story. I didn't start that way for a reason. That's, um, yeah, so anyway. Uh, but my roommate, he just has that gift. You know, and the thing about it is, guys, is that people have the ability to say the right thing at the right time. They get remembered in history. Um, there's several that I want to tell you real quick. I picked, I picked these out Um, The first one I picked out because, I don't know, there's just something about this, um, these words at the right time. But uh, for some of you, you probably know who Lou Gehrig was. Um, He was a famous baseball player in the 20s and 30s. And um, he was known as the Iron Horse because he played 2,130 games, consecutive games, before he benched himself. Um, He was one of the best baseball players of his time maybe in history. Um, But at the age of 37, while he was still playing baseball guys, he was diagnosed with ALS, a painful and terminal disease. And so on July 4th, 1939, Garrett got up in front of this entire stadium, and he said these words, fans, for the past two weeks, you have been reading about the bad break I got, yet today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of this earth. And you just sit there and you think, wow, here is a professional athlete who has everything to lose. His very life has been told that he's going to lose. And not just in any way, but this very painful, miserable way. And the one thing that he had in his life was his physical ability. And it was going to be taken away from him. And he knew that. And he was able to get up in front of the entire world and give a statement, the right words at the right time, of gratitude. And you know, the thing about it is, is that ALS is now known, as commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, generally in life, you don't want terminal diseases to be named after you. Um, but I have to believe that, for, in this case, These words that he spoke at this time are a tribute to the fact that Lou Gehrig's disease is associated with a man who had an enormous amount of gratitude in his life. The second uh, right words at the right time I want to talk about is um, during World War II. uh, The Prime Minister of Great Britain was Winston Churchill, and on June fourth, nineteen forty, Churchill addressed the House of Commons in Parliament. And during this time in history, the Germans had pretty much overrun the French army, and things were looking bad in the world, especially for Great Britain, because they that meant they were next. Um, and so Churchill, he gives this speech, and I can only say that this speech is fitting for any Mel Gibson movie, um, just in the sense of like how uh, dramatic it is, and yet... For Winston Churchill, it was the right words at the right time. He said, We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And through these words, Churchill is remembered. And not only that, he motivates an entire nation Uh, to stand in the face of the Axis powers. Through the uh, times to come and the difficulty that the nation would face, through air raids and all the suffering of death and that war brings, uh, Churchill's words endured. The final person I want to mention is no stranger to our culture, and rightly so. A man who used his right words at the right time, Martin Luther King, Jr. Um, He came during a time when our nation's history and racial tensions were high. On August 8th, 28th, 1963, during the March on Washington, he delivered these immortal words that shared his dream. When we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every city... In every hamlet, from every state, and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all, if God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, great God almighty, we are free at last. And those words, they stay immortal in our culture, and our society, because we continually look up to that example that he painted, that dream that he painted for us. And those words spoken at just the right moment in history when, it was, when his vision was revolutionary. Guys, one thing that you need to know about this book, this book is the greatest seller of all time. Did you know that? More, people, more Bibles have been sold, printed than any other book. And there's a good reason for that. The reason is, is that this book is full of right words at right time. And I'm going to share a couple of those, and these aren't any mystery to us. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not telling you anything new, guys. John 3.16, I'm going to go quickly, so hang in there with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's the right words at the right time, guys. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's the right words at the right time. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. It's the right words at the right time. John 19, 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It's the right words at the right time. John ten ten. the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's beautiful words at the right time. And finally, Luke ten twenty seven. he answered, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself, right words at the right time. And so at this point, as we finish up, I'd like to invite the congregation, if you would, if it's convenient for you, to go ahead and stand with me in unity as we, once again, hopefully not for the last time though, we summarize what these words mean in a gospel setting to these two young men as they go forward. And so allow me to summarize and speak for the congregation. George and Eddie, as your church family has been our goal to teach and show you the love of God, and so we proclaim this gospel to you again. God loved the world so much, he wasn't content on being passive in our suffering. Instead, he came down in human form and sent his son Jesus to show us what his true loving nature was. He did this by giving us the very definition of what the ultimate sacrifice of love looked like. Guys, he told us what ultimate love was, And then to back up his words, he did it by sacrificing himself on the cross. In the most clear way possible, God told the world that he loves us fully. And then he showed his ultimate power. After three days, he rose from the dead, demonstrating that his love is eternal. He did this so that we might have life and live it more abundantly. What should you do with this love that God has given you? Love God and love your fellow man. Guys, love God and love your fellow man. I told you it's not something that I haven't told you guys many times before. George and Eddie, as your faith family, we love you. It is our hope that you leave this place and pursue your bright future and that you remember this message, this good news, this gospel.